1: We all know that therapy is an important weapon in our grief arsenals. Maybe you live in a small community with limited mental health resources, or maybe you're living through a global pandemic and can't leave your house. Or maybe you would just rather sit in the bathtub eating nachos instead of driving to and from your counseling appointments. Technology is making it easier than ever to access therapy. We are excited to be partnering with BetterHelp. BetterHelp brings professional counseling to you wherever you are. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you with a therapist suited for your situation. And after a few sessions, if you aren't vibing with your therapist, you can request a new one. BetterHelp does all the legwork. BetterHelp is offering our listeners 10% off their first month. If you sign up at trybetterhelp, that's help as in help, my husband died.com slash WWDN. That's trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Happy, Happy widowing. widowing! Um, okay, so I have a question for you. What? Are we ever going to do this podcast where we just talk like blah blah blah? Or are we always just going to have guests from here on out? I want our listeners to tell us what
0: they want. They're probably like so glad that it's not just us blah blahing. Maybe. Yeah, I want to hear. We're going to do it when it's just us sometimes, like, but people keep dying So we keep having guests. Sorry, guys. Not sorry. I think it's cool. I mean, I really like that we have all these new friends. It's super awesome, and we've met a lot of really cool people, but it also is a bummer. Yeah. For them. Yeah. And us. Yeah.
1: But the whole point of the podcast is to... I don't know what the whole point is, actually, but one of the points is to normalize grief and normalize what's going on. And so if we can connect with a lot of people like that, then it makes people not feel as alone, don't you think?
0: Yeah. And also, we started the podcast, too, because we don't know what to do. And so this is a big experiment. So we are chronicling our journeys through grief. Right. We're learning all the time.
1: Tell me how your being back home is going.
0: Well, the first few days, I still have only been home for a little bit. And the first few days were really hard because my brain just couldn't process another life change that was, like, a big one like that. So I was really tired. I was really forgetful. I'm still tired and still forgetful, but it's getting a little bit better. But my therapist is giving me some good things to work on. So I feel like because my life has shifted so much so many times in a short amount of time that I've learned a lot of things by default – And so it was nice to hear her validate that I'm doing okay. But guess what she told me? Because, you know, I've been in a car accident and had brain injuries and stuff. And she told me, because I told her that I like to play Nintendo, she told me that there are specific types of video games called sandbox games, which are like The Sims and Minecraft and Animal Crossing, where you just start the game and there aren't really big agendas or goals. Like you just get there and you figure out what to do with no direction, yeah. and that those have been proven to help people with recovery from traumatic brain injuries.
1: Oh, interesting. So it's like doodling on on a video game where you don't have to, like, have a goal. You just do stuff. Yeah, You draw in the sand. Oh, interesting. Or you make your
0: own goals or you figure out what you want to do in there. Yeah. Or you adopt a cat in Minecraft. I guess. So there. That's been really exciting. And the other thing is because... um One thing that's really helped me a ton, no matter where I'm living, is to make my space look nice and safe. And, like, I like to have fun with it. Like, I love peel-and-stick wallpaper so much. She said that that's really helpful as a grounding technique. And then, once the room's put together and it's how I like it, then it's a good safe space for when you go deeper into going through some issues because you are in your safe space. So interesting right
1: so that's really cool because you've been doing a therapy a really long time and have never gotten that information so it's cool that this new therapist has given you some new stuff to work with. yeah
0: it's so fun it's so interesting to learn different things from different therapists it's really really fun um anita what have you been up to lately so i kind of had um, a crazy experience
1: the last couple of weeks and i'll see if i can share it in a way that makes sense Um, so my kids, they go to therapy and one of their therapists is also a triathlete. And so we'll chat about it before and after sessions about like training and races that are coming up and just kind of talk about it like that. And we have a connection that way. So a few, maybe like a month ago, he gave me a book that he had just finished and he was like, Hey, I think you should read this book. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. So I took it, and then I read the cover, and it was about a lady who's a runner who had to quit running because she had a heart issue, and I was like, oh, I don't actually think I want to read this. It feels a little close to home, right? So I just left it on the floor of my car for weeks and weeks, but every time I would go to a session with my kids, it was like sitting on the floor, and because of the pandemic, he had to come out to the car to get them, and so he'd see it on the floor, and I just felt dumb about it. Anyway, so... I finally just opened it up and started reading and um, read and read and I was just waiting for the bad thing to happen in her story, you know, because obviously a bad thing had to happen. Otherwise, she would still just be living her normal running life. So I was reading through the book. And just as kind of a little bit of backstory, um, I have had to work really hard about feeling – I don't want to say guilt because it's not the right right term, but feeling a lot of sorrow and regret for not catching on to some of the symptoms that Jason had described to me and asked me about and minimizing those symptoms. So that's something that's just really – that has just been with me. I'll say it that way. And people always their knee-jerk reaction is they try to explain to me or try to tell me how I need to be gentle with myself and I need to be kind to myself. And in my mind I just think that's great, but that's not how I feel, you know? Um and part of the reason is because I'm a physical therapist, so I did lots and lots of school, and I did lots of school that dealt with exercise physiology and lots of school that dealt with the cardiovascular system, and so I hold myself to a different standard than I would somebody who was, say, a Musician, or somebody who wasn't in the medical field and had that training. So, especially when people tell me that, you know, of course you couldn't have known, who are not medical professionals, I just am like, you, you cannot understand my position because you don't have my background. So, anyway, reading this book, and um, I find out that the lady who wrote the book is actually a physical therapist, and I was like, oh, well, that's kind of a coincidence. And I'm reading along, and then she starts describing all of the symptoms that she had experienced before she had sought medical care. And some of them were pretty significant, like fainting um, and passing out, um, heart racing issues, things like that. And each of those incidents, she reasoned them away somehow. And while I was reading it, my jaw just dropped because... I felt like this book, she was the only person who could have spoken directly to my feeling of sorrow about that situation because she has my background. And so because we have the same base of knowledge, I was able to read through that and just think, oh my gosh, if she could have missed all of those things in herself, I need to be a little bit less hard on myself also. And I feel like she was the only one that it could have come from that I would have listened to. And so it was kind of crazy that um, I really felt like that therapist had given me that book for a reason, even though he probably didn't even realize what the reason was, because he wouldn't have known my inner thoughts. So that was my crazy thing of the week. It was uh, pretty, it was kind of strong and powerful. And I didn't know what to do with it. But I was just like, wow it's nice to have
0: things like that come kind of from out of nowhere i'm glad you had that experience that's really great and very helpful so
1: enough serious stuff welcome to our podcast i'm mel i'm anita and we're just two young widows trying to figure out what okay widow
0: widow we we do now do now (laughs) jeez Holy internet problems, Batman. So, before we introduce our guest that we're
1: really excited about today, we want to remind you of two things. The first one is the dreaded clarinet national anthem contest. We figured out how we were going to judge that, and it was who leaves the most comments and or emails leave a review and a comment on our iTunes page and make sure you include your country of origin so we know who to give the point to. And if you don't have access to iTunes, if you're listening on a different platform, then you can send us an email to widowwedonow at gmail.com and we'll count you that way. And then another reminder is to find our new Facebook group, the Widow We Do Now, Widow Wives Club. If you just search that in the search bar, and then um, answer the questions, add the information that we need so we don't get a bunch of crazy people, and we'll add you and you can talk about all the things with all the other widows and widowers, by the way, and it could just be a safe space to, to connect. So now, Mel, you want to introduce our guest?
0: Yes. So this next guest sent us an email And we are Kindred Spirits. Will you please let us know how you connected with us and how you found us? Miss Hillary Childress. Okay.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm Hillary Childress. I'm 29 years old. Um, My husband died almost exactly three months ago. His name is John. Um, So February 26th. I found you guys because um, I'm a huge podcast fan, first of all, of like... I love music too, but I'm really addicted to podcasts and mainly true crime podcasts. And then, so after everything happened, you know, my mom was trying to fix everything. And she was like, I don't think you need to be listening to those true crime murder podcasts. I think she just called a murder podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you need to find something else. And I was like, okay, mom, what do you want me to do? Find a widow podcast. And like being a total smart aleck. And she was like, yeah. I bet they have one. And I was like, whatever, they don't, you know? And um, (laughs) so I just searched young widows (laughs) and you guys were the first ones to pop up. I think, yeah, I think y'all were the first ones. I was like, well, mom, I'll, I found one. And then I listened to it and I was like, okay, this is actually really good (laughs) because I had already been like invited to come to a widow group in my area and everyone there was over the age of 60 and so I just felt really out of place you know and not like they they're probably awesome and could offer really good support about things but you know I just felt really out of place and like I'm not a real emotional person I'm not super emotional I never have been and so it made me feel really like good that y'all were kind of the same way because like I felt like a sociopath, you know, because I wasn't just crying all day, every day. Welcome. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so that made me feel a lot better about myself. Like, I didn't feel super as as guilty. So, and then I really, um, like, there was things about both of you that I connected with. So, like, with Mel, um, I have was previously married. So, I got married really young and went through a divorce. And so, I kind of, like, connected on you with that. And then with Anita, I am in healthcare. So and then specifically cardiology. So I worked at a cardiologist clinic for eight years prior to the company I'm with now, which sells a medical device used to treat cardiac arrest. So as soon as you said, um, you know, it annoys me when people call it a heart attack, it's not a heart attack. That's 100% correct. It is not a heart attack. There's heart attack and then there's cardiac arrest. (laughs) So um, then also I do have a daughter. So I'm a mom. Um, She's actually from my previous marriage. But um, John was her stepdad from the time she was like two and a half till now. She'll be nine in a couple months. And so she literally doesn't remember a time before John. I'll ask her sometimes, do you remember when it was just me and you? You know, we lived alone. She's like, no. John's always been there. It's always John. So it's not the same as because she is very close to her dad. And I don't know how you do it with four. I would phew, be done. <laughs> with four. <laughs> 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 and I also have, you know, it, it, ca- it sucks obviously when she goes to her dad's, but I do have a respite, you know, from children. Cause she goes to her dad's, you know, either every other weekend or no, she spends a lot of time there. So, um, it, when she's there because I do like her company it kind of having her around holds me together more um so that's nice because she's very we're very close and she's very um in tune with my emotions always has been so as soon as I start feeling a little bit sad she's like there and then she starts getting sad so it kind of helps keep me upbeat and happy whenever because she's around um so yeah that's how I found you guys and
1: that' why I liked y'all Thank you for validating my annoyance at cardiac arrest versus heart attack. So that's all I have to say is just how <laughs> I
2: describe it to people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because it's literally every day I have to describe the difference to patients. Oh, yeah. Is a plumbing problem and cardiac arrest is an electrical problem. That's yeah. what I tell patients that's and kind mean. of go
1: from there. It's a great way to describe it.
0: Where are you joining us from, Hillary? I am in
2: Southern Oklahoma. Um, I live in a little town right outside a little town called Durant. Um, I'm right on the border of Texas. So I'm about an hour north of Dallas.
0: All right. Did you grow up there? Yep. Born and raised. Same town. Hey, that's me right now. And all the time yeah. I keep coming back here. Yeah. I feel you. No, you left for like 10 minutes, Mel, and came back. I keep trying. It's like an elastic. It's like, nope, you're done. I'm a boomerang, I guess. Um, well, I'm really, really close to
2: my family. And so I don't ever, not that I don't want to go to other places. I'm just really close to them. I live like five minutes from my parents, five minutes from my sister, like 30 minutes from my brothers. Like, it's just, um, we're really really close. So too close. Sometimes I get on my nerves.
0: (laughs) I hope they're not listening. That's going to be awkward. (laughs) Oh, they will be. Hey, Hillary, do you like Ben Folds?
2: Um, I don't not like him. I'm just kind of, uh, um, like, it, all the music I've heard of him, I like it. I'm not like, oh, my God, I love him so much. I
0: couldn't name, like, an album, you know? Are they from Oklahoma? No, but the reason why I'm asking is because her last name is Childress, and Ben Folds wrote a song called Alice Childress. And so ever <laughs> since we got your email, I've been going around singing, like, da 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 Alice Childress. So I was just wondering if you... I'm going to look it up now for sure, though. <laughs> yeah now it'll get stuck in your head yes <laughs> well hey hillary will you tell us a little bit about your story about you and john and what happened and all that fun stuff
2: okay so um me and john met when we were 16 we were um my family was camp we live right on a big lake and so that's something we do a lot We we camp and don't everyone want to get it twisted i'm not a tent camper i have (laughs) we have camp trailers it is not roughing it at all (laughs) we're glamping but um anyway so i was 16 um and my family was camping and it was kind of dark and i was driving around the park that we camp at and saw a group of friends and um this cute boy wearing jeans and boots for some odd reason at the lake (laughs) walked up to my car and he had a Twelve pack of warm beer under his arm, and he just was like talking to me, and he got in with me and my friends in my jeep, and we just hung out all night. He was from a town that's about thirty minutes away from where I live. I'd never met him before. It's a little town called Caney. So actually, for the first year that I knew him, didn't even call him John. I called him Caney Boy. I don't even know if I remembered his name was John at that point. But the night that we met, we just hung out all night. It was so looking back, it's one of those like cheesy teen movies where it's like this picture perfect night where you meet someone and blah, blah, blah. You're like in love with them after a night and you kiss and all this stuff. Well, then the next day, an ex-boyfriend, and I say boyfriend loosely because we were 16 and dated for like a month, was like, you know, calling me. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm going back to him. So I didn't talk to John for a while because he knew that I was dating someone else after that. And then a couple months later, we broke up and then John calls me out of the blue. And it literally went on like this for our entire the rest of our high school career. We would, you know, hang out, we'd go on dates, but we wouldn't actually date because we were 30 minutes apart and that's forever whenever you're in high school. And but every time I would like break up with a boyfriend or something, John Tildress would call me randomly out of the blue. So when we were about to go to college and we were actually going to the same college and um, there's a university in the town we live in and we had started hanging out a lot and I knew that he probably wasn't really interested in having a relationship. He's going into college. He's 18. That's dumb. So I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore because I can see that I'm going to be like head over heels in love with you. And then you're not going to own a relationship. And he like agreed with that. So I was like, okay, I don't want to see you anymore. And then I started was dating someone else after that. And that's the guy I actually ended up marrying and having my daughter with. And it just really, it was one of those situations where we actually had Abby before marriage. And, and I was like, we need to be married because we live in the South and we go to a Baptist church. So we should, you know, we have to be married. And it just wasn't a good marriage. We get along great now. We co-parent really, really well, but it just wasn't a good marriage. So after that, I was feeling really, really guilty. And I was like, you know, there's no way, you know, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It was a lot of like Christian guilt. Like you should have never gotten this situation. You were unequally to begin with, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I was like, I'm just never going to find a husband because God's going to punish me. That was my thoughts, you know, then for doing this and, you know, having a child out of wedlock and this, and then going through divorce. And then out of the blue, like probably six months after my divorce, John Childress messages me on Facebook (laughs) and we just kind of picked up where we left off. And then we started dating and that was in um,
1: April of, 2014. He was your rebound buddy, man. <laughs> you were just yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For real. That's why I was like, uh, it's John. He's so cute. I'm not gonna do you know, we're just gonna hang out and have fun. But he was like from the get-go, serious. He wanted to like settle down and get married. We were like 24 at the time or something like that. And I was like, I'm never getting married again, you know. But we were so like I can't even tell you how perfect we work together. There was no—I tried to explain it to him all the time because I knew what a bad married marriage was. I'd been in one. I'd been in a bad relationship. He'd never really even dated anyone for more than like three months. It's weird. Like it's—it's <laughs> it's like a fairy tale. It really is. Like just our compatibility and how amazing he is and. My family from the get go. My family's—they're not like judgmental, but they're like a tough crowd sometimes. And they loved him from the, the second they ever met him. And and I have a big family and very close. And he just meshed right in. So we got married. He proposed in April of 2015, and we got married in August of 2015. And um, so he was in the oil field, so he was gone a lot. We. Probably saw each other for half of our marriage, actually, technically, because he would work like two weeks on two weeks off. um actually, after we got married eight days later, he left for eight weeks for a pipeline. whoa, so <laughs> we were yeah, it was crazy, but um I hate when people say like, "Oh, you're so independent, it's not that I'm independent, really. it's that i like I do like my alone time though I like alone time, so it's never bothered me, and all growing up, my dad worked jobs away, so I was used to it like. It was no big deal. So um anywho, we had like picture perfect sickening marriage. Like anyone when people say, you know, oh from the outside looking in, it's perfect. No, it was actually like that. He thought I like walked on water. He treated me so 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 well. And it was one of those situations where like he thought he wasn't good enough for me and I thought I wasn't good enough for him because he was like beautiful. Beautiful man, <laughs> he was so handsome. I'll have to send y'all a picture of him. Um, and I'm like, What is this beautiful man doing with me? You know? <laughs> like, and he's perfect and everything else, and he's a hard worker and all of this stuff. Um, and he loves doing the things that I love to do. We had the exact same sense of humor. Um, anyway, so last summer he was working in the oil field, he had his own um, safety consulting firm. and So usually the year leading up to an election year and the election year, especially this year because of COVID, um, the oil field just tanks pretty much. Um, But it's every like election year. It doesn't tank as bad as it is now, but it goes down. So we've went through a couple like layoffs in our relationship and well, he got laid off in August. And usually what happens when he gets laid off is well, number one, we've, learn to save so we can usually fall back on that and then like a month goes by and he gets another oil field job and then we go on you know well he was like i'm tired of working off i want to be home so i was like okay you know find a job you like at home he loved the oil field so that was the problem he loved not just like you know oil field money in quotations but he just loved doing that job um, so he got a job, um, selling cars, which is really funny because we always joke that he'd be the best used car salesman because he just talked a lot of crap all the time and <laughs> was just real animated and stuff. We well, didn't really like that. So, um, he was like, well, a friend of mine owns a big construction company. Um, and he has a job that's going to last till like middle of next year. And so I'll do that. And then the oil field will be back up and I'll go back to the oil field. So I was like, okay. So the job, it was like a big, humongous mansion, like giant, giant house. And he was working there for about a month, no, 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 two months. And I was, it was a Wednesday morning or it was like a Wednesday afternoon. I was at work and it's so weird because a lot of people say, you know, I just had a bad feeling that day or something like that it was like a perfect day. It was beautiful. Cause normally in February, it's like, you know, kind of nasty. It was like 75 degrees, beautiful day. I was coming back from work. I had taken lunch to a hospital and I was actually gonna, um, I'd got, uh, got done there a little early. So I was gonna come back to our town. I was like, like an hour away. My territory is kind of big where I work an hour and a half away and I was going to go to the gym and then I was going to come home and get Abby off the bus and everything was just normal. Well, when I'm about like an hour from home, John's mom calls me and she, her husband also kind of works all over. So they travel. So she gets packages shipped to my house a lot. I thought that's why she was calling me because she'd got a package shipped to my house the day before that. So I answered it and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm, I completely forgot to tell you. And she just started, she was like crying. And she was like, oh, Hillary, that's not what I'm calling you for. And I was like, oh my God, so much husband because why would his mom be calling me and she just said John was in an accident at work and they're doing CPR and like my heart just like stopped and then it went and I needed nothing And I said what what happened she said I don't know I don't know there was just an accident and they're doing CPR and, and- I said, who called you? You know, who do I call? What do you know? I was just freaking out. I don't even exactly know exactly what was happening, but I know I was going 80 miles an hour down the highway and just, I, w- I knew that the job site was north. And so I was heading north. And so I said, whoever called you, you call them right back and give them my number, and make them call me. I just knew either he was gone or he would be like a vegetable or something. You know what I'm saying? Like brain dead or something. I don't know. I just, I also automatically go for the worst on everything, but So I'm going and no one had called me and like, it was like, it felt like an hour, but it was like five minutes. So I'm calling everyone that I know that knew John that was also friends with the guy that owned the company and no one's answering. Well, then all of a sudden I get a call from um, my ex-husband's wife. And then I remembered that she works with the girl who works, whose husband works with John. So I answer it and she was like, you know, I'm gonna give the phone to Reagan, blah 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 blah. And Reagan said, Has anyone got a hold of you? And I was like, Yes, what's happening? Like, what, where do I go? What do I do? And she just started crying. And I was like, Get yourself together and tell me what's happening, you know? And I said, Tell your husband to call me. So at that point, I'm like 30 minutes away from home or something like that. And I'm like freaking out and I'm shaking. And then John's brother calls me, who's also a very good friend. All those people that work with him, and he said, "Are you where are you at?" And I was like, "I'm in the so and so town. I'm driving. Where do I go?" He said, "You need to pull over right now." And then, so you know, I knew. I was like, "Okay." And then he started crying, and he said he didn't make it. And and I don't really remember what I said. I don't. I definitely broke down, and I definitely screamed something probably. But he said, "You got to call your mom or your dad or someone to come get you." So what happened was. There was a crane on site, and um, they were moving grain silos, like feed silos, and the crane malfunctioned. We think we're still waiting on the OSHA report to tell us exactly what happened, but as far as we can tell so far, the crane um, malfunctioned and the ball, you know, like when you look at a crane, the big ball, instead of falling in the drop zone, it, for some unknown reason, they don't know if it was wind, they don't know what, it swung around and hit John from behind in the torso area and it just it, it it killed him and just was major all internal that's the hardest part for me to talk about cuz i can't see it but i think like i keep picturing it that's the one where i'm having a great day then all of a sudden i see a crane smashing my husband and i'm just like Bleh! so that's that's the one they're considering that um e uh her What is it, EMRD or EMDR
0: therapy for me? Yeah, EMDR.
1: Yeah, actually, that might be really helpful for that specific memory because I've done them for very specific memories like that, too.
2: I'm so happy it killed him instantly. He didn't have any pain. And then wanting him to have held on long enough to get to a hospital so I could have at least been there or seen him. Because when he left for work that morning, that was the last time that I saw him before he was already, you know, at the funeral home and, you know, embalmed and everything. Like, I wish I would have at least got to see him. And, you know, that's still them, but it's not, it's weird. They're cold. They're, you know, like sticky. And so, yeah, I go back and forth between, like, I'm uh, I'm glad it was fast and he didn't feel anything. He literally didn't see it coming. It came from behind. It happened so fast that, The other guys who were standing there didn't even have time to like yell. And he did not also did not let out a sound or anything. So it was like, boom, he was alive and he wasn't. So, so I was pulled over on the side of the road, (laughs) freaking out. And I called my mom and she worked about 45 minutes away from there. And I was just like, John died. I, I think I remember just yelling it at anyone who asked in the next like 20 minutes, like, what's going on? And I would just be like, John died. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. And she was like, oh my God, I'm coming. Where are you at? And I told her I was at. Well, then my brother was calling me and he was just happened to be calling me because I'd missed a call from or He had missed a call from me earlier in the day. Just said, John died. I yelled at him and he, he said, where are you at? And I told him and he said, I'm. I'm in the same town and he was in his big truck. He was heading out of town. And so he was able to just like whip around and come get me. Cause I was like freaking out, you know? So yeah, that's what happened. And it sucks. Cause he was perfect. So, and he was like such, uh, he was such like the light of our, my entire, he was like the center of my family Which is kind of weird for, like, an in-law to be. Because, technically, he was the son-in-law. He was the brother-in-law. But my dad thought of him as his son. And my mom thought of him as his son. And, yeah. And my sister, she was best friends with him. My brothers were friends with him. My two cousins were his best friends. Like, so, it was just one of those deaths that, like, just, like, shook. When my sister found out, she literally threw up. That's how. (laughs) Like, She's a little dramatic. She's a baby.
1: (laughs) Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Did you did you find when you yelled at people, because I totally relate to like that, you know, John's dead or whatever, did you find that people were like, what? And, or like, are you kidding? Like, I had so many people be like, are you joking? And I was like no, why would you joke about that? You know, or just like really <laughs> weird responses. Did people do that or did they just believe you?
2: Luckily, the only people I had to like tell that were my mom and my brother. Because as soon as I told them, they distributed the information. Yeah, <laughs> And um, feel really sorry that they had to do that, but I'm glad I didn't have to because it was really rough. And I was in the car when my sister called um, John's best friend friend that he'd had like all growing up and she kept John died, John died. He like would not believe it. He said, John Who? John Who. As if you know, like he knew his best friend. I felt really bad for him because he was just like, what? What? And then um another, you know, thing, a bad thing is the company he worked for, the guy that owned the company, his children grew up with John. He's known John since he was five his son worked for the company who grew up with John and never had to work every single day. Some of the guys on the job were like really good friends with me and with John. And so they had to like witness that. And so I immediately started feeling horrible And there. And most of the guys he worked with were really young. They were like in their early twenties. And I was just felt so, and I'm young too, but you know, when you become a mom, you automatically think you're older than everyone else. And so I was like, those poor babies had to witness that.
1: <laughs> those poor same-aged babies.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so it was it was really bad. Um, and everything – it wasn't really like a blur. People are like, oh, you know, the next couple of days were blur. And it wasn't really. Um, I think I was just kind of in shock. And, like, my dad is, um, like – crisis mode super dad so as soon as he anything happens he like takes care of everything and gets it done and and but he had never had to do that before with someone he considered like a son so it was kind of really hard watching my it was really hard watching all of my family mourn the way they were doing and then like my my dad who's like macho mountain man break down in like horrible tears Years and stuff. It was just bad. Same thing with like my male cousins who are very like manly and like firemen and stuff like that. And they're just like bawling. And then it's like their grief compounded on my grief was just like the hardest thing. I've never lost anyone other than I did lose my grandparents, but they were my grandparents were like older and they wanted, you know, they didn't particularly want to go, but that's a natural progression of life. You lose your grandparents. And so I've never lost anyone like a good friend or super young person you know so all of a sudden I lost my absolute favorite person in the whole world and I'm not a super emotional person anyway so I was like how what do I do what do I like how do I act do I go in my room and cry do I sit out here and drink a beer with everyone like do I laugh and it was really easy to laugh though with talking about John because he's like one of the funniest Humans, ever. That's actually his humor, is what he was definitely most known for. So, just tell stories about him and all of the stuff that he would do or say just makes you laugh. But I don't know. It's just really weird. That's what I keep saying. People are like, What is, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I just feel weird. My whole life is weird. And then COVID hit. So, I got confined to my house.
0: <laughs> Man. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Anita and I have not been grieving initially through through covid like what's your experience been like so far
2: yeah so um everything got pretty much shut down i guess it was about two weeks after the funeral so i mean if i can say i'm lucky we were actually really lucky that it happened before all that because we were able to have a full on you know service and all of that stuff and everyone was at the house so i don't know what i would have done if It would have hit, you know, during that time and you couldn't have been around everyone. But um, I'm an extrovert, so it was kind of hard on me because all I wanted to do was just at least, like, go out to a Mexican restaurant and drink a margarita with my (laughs) friends and just sit there and talk. That's all I want to do. But we couldn't do that. And, like, I wanted people to come to the house and stuff like that, and they couldn't. I did stay with my, my parents for one month afterwards um but I just don't like staying at other people's houses even my parents which is the house I grew up in but I like to have my you know be at my own house and everything and I was like I know it's probably gonna suck but I'm I want to go back because it's it is my house and I did stay there a lot by myself while John was working so it's actually not been bad staying here I don't think I want to live here forever which we weren't gonna live here forever anyways because it is kind of just memories at every place you look. So but they told me not to make any big decisions for a while. So I'm not going to <laughs> like selling the house and stuff like that. But the the worst part about quarantine and this is that my job has come to a standstill. Not that I'm very fortunate where I still get to work from home, but I don't get to go out and work, which is what I love to do and which keeps, gives me something to do. I love routine and I love waking up and having my coffee and getting dressed and going to work and doing that. And so now it's like, I get up and I have my coffee and I stare at my computer and uh, it's just, I don't have to change. I like the physical act of like putting my scrubs on and going and talking to people. And so that's been the roughest part. And that's still, it's still that way for me because the hospitals and offices and stuff I work in are still pretty much on lockdown with all of that. So
1: have you been able to get out with friends though? Has it opened up enough that you've been able to just be able to socialize more or is it still pretty locked down in that, in that way where you are?
2: Um, No, starting about two, two or three weeks ago, stuff started opening up. So I have been able to like go to restaurants and and stuff like that. So
1: get your margarita, man at the Mexican restaurant. (laughs) Was your daughter with you? throughout that time or did she go stay with her, um, her biological dad? I don't know if that's the way you say that. Uh, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, she did actually, um, when it happened, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. So she had just, she was about to get out of school and get on the bus to go home. And so her dad obviously knew what happened because his wife was the one that called. And so, um, I had my brother, call him and say, and told him to go get Abby off the bus. And I just said, don't say anything to her right now. Cause I want to be the one that tells her. And right now I can't. So she stayed with him for like a day, day and a half, two days, maybe. Yeah. I think two days. And then I was like, okay, I'm calm enough. Or, you know, I'm like, um, together enough to tell her what happened. And she, when I told her it was very, she was just confused. She was like, what, you know, she's eight and she was just kind of like, okay. And, And, you know, I told her John got killed in an accident and he's in heaven now and all that, you know, that stuff. And she was like, okay. And when I told her she was actually everyone, my whole entire family was at my parents' house. So all of her cousins, her little cousins were there and stuff. She said, okay, can I go play with my cousins now? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, Okay, you know, that was easy. And then, like, an hour later, I find her in the room, like, by herself, you know, and that was really hard. And, but she's been really good because she's kind of like me. She's not like super, super emotional. She, um, she talks about him like he's still here pretty much and just talks about the good things just every now and then. She'll have little, just sad moments because they were, like I said, they were very close. They were very, very close. Um, three years ago, we started to try to have a baby, but I have a weird uterus. And so <laughs> we were actually, Don't waiting. we all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we were waiting, we, we were like, okay, we're going to keep trying naturally. And then I said, well, on my 30th birthday, if we still haven't got pregnant, naturally, we'll go and actually discuss IVF and all of this stuff, you know? So my 30th birthday is in January. So that's another part that I struggle with is thankfulness that I, another child wasn't left without a dad, but then, and really, really sad that I don't have like a piece of him and he didn't ever get to be like, he was a dad to Abby, but he didn't get to have his own child. So
1: I have a question about, um, Abby, has she ever just from my experience with my own kids, has she ever expressed an expectation that he's like gonna come back alive like I guess it's really normal for kids but maybe a little bit younger than her to not understand the permanence of death so has she ever said things like that and you're like well actually yeah they're not gonna come back alive tomorrow or whatever um has she ever done that she has not done that
2: um and I think that's because um she she says all the time we're gonna see him again and she's talking about heaven and so she understands heaven. So I think that's that's why she has not yeah. said that right there. She did have a lot of like, um, especially like during the funeral, like right after the funeral, of anger. She was mad. She said, if God's so good, you know, I this is the part that makes me the saddest. This is when she said that. She said, if God's so good and he loves us, why do you take him away? And so that's hard, you know. <laughs> and she was like. We were in the back of like the car they take you to the graveside in and stuff and she, she was just like screaming that and it was, oh, it was awful. That was the worst part, I think. That was the absolute worst part. It made yeah. me really um, even more sensitive to my parents because watching your child go through that has to that's the worst.
1: That's a hard question to answer too. I mean, that's not an easy that's something you probably had to think about yourself also, and it's a lot harder to explain it to an eight year old who their brain is not not making sense yet at all so i can I can relate to that difficulty for sure,
2: yeah, it was rough this whole thing's been rough and weird and stupid that's another word <laughs> Those are
1: the words I use too weird and stupid, it's so lame. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel very, I told someone, I said, I feel like God catfished me because he was like, Here is
0: this
2: perfect, <laughs> right? here's this perfect man for your perfect marriage. And he is everything. He's every checkbox you ever wanted, but I'm taking him back. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yep. So I
0: like that catfished. I feel like that too. <laughs> um, Hillary, are you or Abby in therapy or have you guys, where are you at with those types of things? Yeah. So I got to start therapy,
2: um, three weeks ago. Yeah. When everything opened up and stuff, because there was the op- option of like the telemedicine, but I was like, eh, I kind of want to go, you know, in person. And since I'm not feeling like suicidal or anything like that, then I, I think I can wait. And so I did start going. And then Abby's going to start pretty soon. Um, I'm just kind of waiting to hear back from a couple different people about different therapists in the area for kids. Cause like, you could ask anyone, you know, for therapists for adults, but not a lot of people, you know, around here have like their kids in therapy. So I was just waiting on some recommendations and stuff. But, but she's gonna start. But she's she's doing really well too. I think, you know, considering, so it's not like super urgent matter. But I did, and I I like it. It's helped a lot, especially since. And I'm so close to so close to him, so it's really hard to talk to them about stuff without them welling up and yeah and stuff. so so like ah, i need to talk to a non-biased that's why i want to talk to y'all cause it's nice not having like y'all start covering up your eyes before <laughs> i'm talking about it
1: <laughs> plus you can talk to about dead bodies and we're like yes they are weird you know and not like ew stop talking mm-hmm. about that yeah uh, they had to send him, you know, for an autopsy,
2: obviously. And the thought of an autopsy f- freaked me out so bad um, about just his poor little body being cut open. Like, that's what I thought of it as. But um, actually, luckily, they were able to do the diagnosis and stuff with just, like, imaging. So
0: he didn't have the Frankenstein scar on his head? <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, I mean—
1: He looked perfect. They knew what happened. So, yeah, it wasn't a mystery.
0: Were you into true crime before John died? and if so, did you find that you kind of went even further down that hole? just because the true crime stuff is kind of worse than it, or maybe on par with as bad as your life situation is? I've been into true crime since um, I
2: can remember. Um, so my grandpa was actually a um, like investigator a police investigator. So I remember being very, very young and going into his office and looking through files that I definitely was not supposed to be looking for with like crime scene photos and and things like that. And my mom's actually, yeah, into true crime as well. She always had the true crime books with like the pictures in the middle. And I remember flipping through them and looking at the pictures. So forever I've been into it. And then um, probably like I don't know, seven or eight years ago is when I discovered podcasts. So I was like, oh, this really, and for work, I drive a lot. So I listen to so podcasts all the time. Like, it's kind of bizarre seeing you guys talk to me because y'all have, were in my ears for like a week. I've binged your show. And so it's just kind of like, that. <laughs> y'all were in my brain. And so that's where it's Um I didn't. I don't think I could have dove deeper because I already listened to so much of it. it didn't I won't say it hurt, and I won't say it helped like it was just normal for me um yeah it didn't it wasn't really one way or the other for me because true crime's just so like normal to me. I love it. uh me and my sister are huge huge fans. We go to the like
1: podcast live shows whenever they come close to us and stuff so because he was killed on the job site did they like? pay for his funeral and like pay you a bunch of money
2: yeah so i wanted to bring this up because y'all have talked about life insurance so much actually yeah. so w- john has always had life insurance always because <sighs> he was in the oil field and then he didn't oh he didn't over the last <gasps> for that job because <sighs> because we'd always had it and then he started this new job and we were like oh you know we'll get that we'll get it no and then we didn't but how no way. Yeah. But however, don't feel bad for me because okay. <laughs> um, the owner of the company and he it's a huge company, big, big company. So he paid for the entire funeral, everything, which was awesome. Um, and even though it hurt my dad's bite a little bit, because my dad thinks he has to pay for everything. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, I'm, my dad was like, I'm paying for the headstone.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: This seems like a really good problem to have, like, people fighting over who's going to pay for things. Yes.
2: But, and, you know, people ask that a lot. "Are you? How are you doing financially? Do you need help? And I'm like, no, that's one thing I don't have to worry about. And I don't know how people worry about that during this time. Like, it, I just lost my husband. I was sitting there sad over people who've lost their husband and didn't have that because I was just like I couldn't imagine that being an issue. Yeah. um on top of everything else. And so uh, yeah, I'm very very blessed and lucky that I did not have to worry about that. And then of course there's like um general liability insurance and stuff like that that will and like workers comp stuff. So that's that's all being taken care of. But it's all kind of we're, it's just kind of in limbo right now because of everything being shut down and OSHA is the one handling it and right now OSHA has a lot of other problems they're dealing with. So it's just oh, kind of gosh. like in limbo, but at some point in time, yes, it will be as if we had life insurance, but yeah, I was like, of course we've had life insurance our entire marriage. And then the last couple months we didn't. And that's oh, when that happens. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Well, I'm not really sure now if I should send Jason to kick John in the shins or not, because it sounds like, it sounds like not
2: kick him in the shins anyways. i okay. dying. <laughs>
1: Oh, but it was not his fault. He had nothing to do with it. Wrong place, wrong time. I still uh, yell at him sometimes, though. So. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah.
0: I have a question. Do it. Do you like cheese?
2: I was so excited for this. Clip.
0: And if so... <laughs> great. Okay. Tell us. Go ahead and tell us about your cheese two-parter. preferences. <gasps> of course. <laughs> Number of one, cheese. if I'm eating cheese by
2: itself, no accompaniments i want a spicy cheese so like a habanero gouda or something like that i want it to be spicy if i have accompaniments i want goat (laughs) cheese Mm. and i want fig jam and prosciutto on a baguette Mm. keep doing it that's why i love a charcuterie board i can just pile everything up on something. Really good. But yeah, I'm a big, big cheese cheese fan, which it, it was funny. That was another reason that I was like, I love these people because my obsession with, with cheese was kind of like a joke between me and John because growing his dad was not a dairy person. So they didn't grow up with just random cheese to eat in the house. John mm. didn't even know that you could just get cheese just to eat by itself. He just thought, oh, cheese goes on a sandwich or on tacos or something. So I had to introduce him to the entire world
1: of cheese and that you could just sit there and eat it. (laughs) That sounds delicious. Oh, man. I love it. Um, Thank you for doing that. Sorry that we keep having problems. Is there anything else that you feel like you need to tell us? Anything more about your story? It feels so weird
2: because it was only three months ago but then it feels like it's been like years since i've seen him and yeah. um yeah i feel oh the one thing you know that you know i'm only 29 so at least you're young and you can find another husband you know comes up quite a bit and boo they call him your chapter twos quote yeah. unquote when you know and john was my chapter two he was my gift after divorce. And he would, I forgot to tell you all this part. So John talked about dying a lot. He would say all the time, I I know I'm going to die young. I just have a feeling I'm going to die young. He would say that. And he wasn't a real, like, he wasn't like a superstitious he wasn't into like true crime or he wasn't someone to just say something like that. And I would be like, shut up. You know, don't say that. That's stupid. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, he would say, when I do die young, I want you to move on. You know, I want you to move on and be happy and this and that. And I would just be like, I would get like aggravated at him or tell him he was so stupid for even saying that. And so finally, one day I said, um, well, then you need to stop being such a perfect husband because the bar is impo- – it's not even there. There's not even a bar. It's so high. And I was like, you're making it impossible for me to get another husband after you supposedly die when you're young. And oh. that's so true. It's true. Unless it's like a hand picks, unless he finds someone up there to send to me, I don't know. And the thought of it – and I'm like, it's only been three months. Why are you people saying these things to me? Like <laughs> – If we got a divorce, I wouldn't move on this fast. So why do you think because he died, I would move on fast, you know? So
0: Mm.
2: it's just kind of so weird. I'm just waiting for all those. I have no desire ever. I just will be an old cat lady before I do that. So
1: because he thought he was going to die young, had you guys talked about after life plans, like anything like that? Or did he, did you bury him or did you have him cremated? And do you, did you have his passwords? Like, I knew he wanted, I knew he didn't want to be cremated,
2: um, and neither one of us said we didn't like the thought of that, so I knew he'd want to be buried, and then the only thing he ever told me was, I don't want to be buried in Caney, which is where he's from, <laughs> and he was just like, I don't want, he said, I want to be wherever you're at, wherever you're at, so um, we did bury him in the cemetery that's only about, like, five minutes from my house, and I know I'm going to be out here probably forever. It's my favorite place to live. I do love living out in this area, so... Um, and it's actually where, um, my grandparents are buried, where my parents will be buried. And then I'm going to be buried there as well. Like we all have plots and, which is kind of another thing, um, about like when people talk about getting remarried is, well, whoever, if I ever get into a relationship again, they're going to have to be fine with the fact that I will forever be like my lifelong person was John I'm going to be buried next to John. And so hopefully that doesn't offend you.
1: <laughs> it's so complicated. Ooh. <laughs> I know. Um, so
2: like there's no, there's a lot of things I've been like doubtful about in different ways. And that's not one of them is that I know that he is who I'm going to see when I get to heaven. There's not anyone else that will, you know, you see what I'm saying. I don't know if yeah. people aren't, I am religious. So, like, if people aren't really religious, they don't, you know, that might not be. But that is, like, the hope that I hold out for. I don't, I couldn't do it without that, you know. So, um, okay. but, yeah, we had kind of talked about where we would like to be and stuff like that. And just knew that he didn't want to be cremated. So, <laughs> I knew that.
0: <laughs> well, I support your cat lady dreams 100%. I'm there with you. <laughs> so... Yeah. We need to have a widow wives party someday. Yeah. Except I don't like cats gathering. So. <laughs> do you like do cats. you like dogs? I do you like dogs? <laughs> be a dog lady. That's what I am. It really. have the same ring to it
1: though, to be a dog lady. Yeah. It's not as spinstery. John sounds like he was awesome and stupid him for dying. Stupid crane yeah, that sucks. For I'm so sorry, whacking him and destroying him. Ugh. And so sorry that you had to go through this during the pandemic because I... That would be so hard to be isolated in a time like that. So good job for still, like, being upright and doing it.
0: You're amazing. We meet all these cool people, and it just helps me realize just how lazy I am. <laughs> <laughs> so...
2: Being a mom is the only thing that keeps me from being lazy half the time. I'm telling you that. It's like, okay, I have to take care of this human. But the problem is that she's pretty self-sufficient. Like, she's almost nine. She does everything. And she's really good. So it's like she likes to sleep in. And she can make her own food and
1: stuff
2: like that. So uh, Anita's jealous. I'm
1: super jealous right now. I know. I know.
2: They'll all get like that at some point in time
1: for you they keep saying that to me, but I don't know if I believe it.
0: <laughs> when they're like 30.
1: And I want to tell you one thing, just from just like from me to you. Um, from all the counseling that my kids have done, there is a lot of talk about how kids don't necessarily grieve right around the time where their parent dies. That they will go through stages of grief at every new chapter of their life so like it kind of is annoying to me because i'm like man that'd be really cool if they could just like get over it you know and just move on with their lives but like high school graduation or their first date or when they get married and all of those kind of things they like relive it and re-go through it so just be ready to have to like put them back in therapy or like have to go through it again with them and then it's never gonna be over basically. So, I mean, that's kind of like a little depressing for me because I'm like, oh, I have to help them for their whole lives. <laughs> I, <laughs> want it to be, I want to be done with them. But, um, yeah, just <laughs> something to keep in mind. Because my kids, right after it happened, also, I was like, they're doing really well, like kind of surprisingly well. But then people are like, oh, but don't get too excited because this is not when kids grieve is not necessarily right when it happens. So, anyway. Sorry. We had a a little because she's that's okay she's been doing so good and
2: so um I um got her like a little off of um what is the picture thing I'm trying to think of where you order pictures anyways that one of those websites where you get pictures made something oh, like that I can't remember what it's called anywho they make little books with pictures and um and oh, okay. so I made one for her that just said John and Abby and it's just full of pictures of them and we just got home. So I opened up, I was like, Oh, look, I got you this." She's like, Oh, thanks. I'm going to go look at it. And I was like, okay. Cause you know, she's been so good. And then I turn around from doing whatever I was doing and she's like in a heap bawling. And I felt so awful because I was, I didn't expect that. And then I wasn't sitting right next to her and you know, and everything. I was like, I'm the worst mom ever. <laughs> I just sent you into
1: a spiral. Oh, okay. Are you ready for my next therapy thing? Is The other thing that I've been told is that um, as parents, we try to live their feelings and we try to protect them from their feelings. But it's not our job to experience their feelings. It's just our job to to kind of be with them while they have their feelings. So not try and take the, take it away or not feel guilty, you know, that you caused her, quote unquote, to feel sad because we're not responsible for their feelings and we can't control their feelings, but we just try and be with them. And also try to encourage them not to avoid their feelings also because then they get into trouble other ways. So just be with them, walk through those feelings with them and help them to face those feelings without trying to feel responsible for them or without trying to like, no, 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 no. You don't feel that way. So there's my, there's my other information. See,
0: you're good um, now. Anita, you should be a therapist. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not just a physical therapist, an emotional therapist.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, if you saw my kids, you would know that I'm failing on all of those counts, but I know what I'm supposed to say. So anyway... There's some good information maybe for you to have for your daughter. And there you there you go. That was Anita's therapy hour. No charge. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> but next time, five hundred dollars per 30 minutes. Whoa, yeah.
1: Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Hillary. I have enjoyed hearing your story and learning about John. He was, I can just tell that he was the love of your life. And I'm so sorry that he's not with you and that you're getting to do this stupid, weird crap all by yourself. And thanks for reaching out. And I think your story is hilarious how your mom and how you found us. So thank you.
0: Yes. Sorry, mom.
1: <laughs> What's your mom's name? Hey, Melissa. Ah! Thanks for uh, making your daughter start listening to us. We really like her. Normally,
0: normally I would never advocate for discouraging from true crime podcasts, but in this case, I make an exception. From one Mel to another Mel. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Another Mel.
1: Oh, man. Hillary, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We hope that um, our listeners have found this to be helpful to them. Please leave us a review so that I will play your national anthem on the clarinet even though i don't play the clarinet what about the people from the states though they don't get they don't they don't get a chance i don't know maybe maybe i'll play that one just like
0: i know i'll play the us's national anthem on the piano while you play oh my gosh. whoever
1: wins the perfect that'll contest. make me feel so great oh gosh we're going to
0: do a duet anita <laughs>
1: okay you have to write it um join us next time i'm
0: anita I'm Mel. I'm Hillary.
1: And we're just three young widows trying to figure out widow. widow we do we now. Do now.
0: Do now. <laughs> you guys. Oh, excellent. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me. What well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month.
1: It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks, and so you don't have to pay extra for that, and you still get great service.
0: Yep, Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it and my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not. Who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind (laughs) of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita?
1: Go to TryMintMobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money.
0: And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trimintmobile.com slash
1: wwdn.